Coming up on today's show. Artists should be abusing social media right now because there's never been another time ever where this kind of organic growth has been offered to somebody for free. Welcome to another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment, featuring interviews with guests who are having success in entertainment, primarily music. I am Bruce Wozniak, talking to guests who are singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, and more from the worldwide music community. Get in touch with me by writing to podcast at nhte.net, or instead of email, you can DM me through the at Now Hear This Entertainment Instagram account. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Nashville, my guest in 2024 celebrates five years since relocating to Music City. She has a new single coming in just over two weeks, and last November put out her rendition of the classic holiday song, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, which followed the eight-song EP she had released in August. On stage, she has opened for the likes of Morgan Wallen, Saren Evans, and Sam Hunt, among others. And she already has shows booked from February to July that will take her from Washington, D.C. to Maryland to Florida to Virginia and New York. Between Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok alone, she is closing in on a half million followers, and she has gotten a combined total of over 7 million video views on her official YouTube channel. She currently has 22,000 monthly listeners on Spotify, where her top five songs alone have a combined 1.7 million plus streams. You've been hearing a song of hers called All Goes South. Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Tracy Lynn. Hello, how are we hanging in there today? Wonderfully, wonderfully. Thank you ever so much for making time to talk with me today. In the intro, I mentioned your EP released last August, which was called More Than a Bad Habit. First, let's have you share with the audience about the song of yours that was just playing called All Goes South, which is from that EP. Yeah, so All Goes South was one of those songs. I was actually in a meeting with some of my friends, and that was written by a handful of my friends. That one was not written by me. Ah. It was written by Forrest Whitehead, Jeff Gibson, and Shane Onquist, and it was played for me. And I literally listened to the first verse and like one of the courses and immediately my mind essentially flooded with an idea of exactly the direction I wanted for the song. Mm. So basically how that works just as like an insight, you'll go into these meetings occasionally called like pitch meetings and you'll go in and some of the publishers in town will like, after, you know, doing their homework and gaining a better understanding of your artistry and who you are and what you stand for, you'll go into these meetings and they'll play you songs by some of their writers that they feel would fit you and your artistry and your image. And so I was in the meeting, they played me this song, which was a demo, and it just captivated me, like I said, like shortly into listening to the song. I had a vision for it, and so I took it back to my producer at the time. And we kind of just sat down and picked and pulled it apart and put all the pieces together. And I was like, I want a country rock banger, like unapologetic, in your face, just kind of song. And I feel like we did exactly that with All Go South, especially because at my shows, Sometimes artists will have what's called walk-on music, where there's like music playing or their band will go on stage and they'll start playing before the artist is even on stage. And we created this awesome intro for the song. And so that starts playing before I go on stage and then Mm. I go on stage and it like smoothly goes into All Go South. It's honestly one of my favorite songs to perform live. Mm. It translates seamlessly and the energy that you would get from like blasting it in your car or wherever you have a good sound system the energy tops that when it's live it's so much fun i love the song so much you know for being an independent artist and not having any sort of like support from like you know a marketing team or a label or a booking agent you know because i do everything myself i feel like the results we got 
as far as numbers on that song and its success rate was really good. And I'm really proud of it. And I love it. So I have two follow up questions, but let's do them one at a time. First is, since unfortunately I was talking over it, just describe for the audience what the message of the song actually is, what the story is in All Go South. I mean, it's not really a super deep story. It's just a good, fun, rowdy song. It's like saying, you know, if I have a few beers, it's all going south. Uh. I mean, the title is All Go South, and it's referring to, you know, I'm from the backwoods, give me a few beers, and it's all going south. I can have a fun time. And I feel like that's so relatable. Regardless of where you're from, it's saying, like, after a few drinks, it's all going south, but not in a negative way, like in the most positive, fun, party, rowdy way. Yeah, yeah. And I like this description because I think that there is a tendency to hear that expression and think negative. You know, you might think of a business owner that says, you know, the pandemic hurt my business and then inflation and my customers started going elsewhere and it just all went south from there and I had to close up the business. And so it's a very disappointing story that's being told. And in your case, you're saying, oh, no, 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 all goes south is like, oh, boy, look out. We are going to really just let loose now. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Like, here we go. I'm about to be a force of nature in the best way possible. (laughs) So the other follow up question is, I loved hearing about the pitch meeting and the freedom for you as the artist to do exactly what you describe, because what I think you're telling me, Tracy Lynn, and I am putting this in the form of a question, is you don't have to worry about the writers having their feelings hurt. They're not sitting in the room, and I think they are sort of having the understanding Then, when this goes to a pitch meeting, the artist may come back and say, I want to completely change the bridge, or I want to... All these changes that you said that you made, probably if we heard the demo versus what we just heard at the beginning of the show, we'd hear a lot of differences. Yeah, exactly. So it really depends on who the writers are, who their publishers are. It comes down to that because there have been songs that I've released where, you know, I've rewritten different parts of it. All Goes South, it wasn't so much rewriting any of it. The only thing I really had to change lyrically was the song was originally a male vocalist. So it was directly geared towards like a male singing it. So Mm -hmm. a lot of the perspectives I had to change to coming from a female. The production though is very different. That's more so what you can hone into. But like I said, you know, there have been other songs that I've put out where I have changed the lyrics and then sometimes it becomes, I'd like to say a can of worms. (laughs) <laughs> to put it nicely when it comes down to that because yeah it's kind of like if i sat in a room with some people that i love like i just had a write with a girl my first time writing with her madison hughes and then a uh, brian alexander who i've written with a handful of times it's like us sitting in a room i write a song and then you know i'm gonna make up a name sally lou who decides she wants to cut it and it's like hey You know, I know I didn't, like, write this song, but I'm going to change two words on it, and then I want my name on it. So Mm. that happens sometimes. Like, I wouldn't worry about it at that point. I would never ask that. But, you know, that happens. I won't go into too much detail with it, but that happens sometimes, and it's like, no. I mean, obviously, if you had one of the biggest names in country music come and be like, hey, I want to pick up your song if it's okay, you know, I'm going to change a few words here, but I want my name to be on it. Then, you know, that's maybe a different situation. Sure, And it's sure. like, oh, okay, fine. If you're going to cut it, that's fine. <laughs> Put your name on it. So it just depends, you know, each situation. It's all dependent on who you're dealing with, a very situational. So, I mean, I know, Jeb, like when... One of the writers on it, when I sent it to him, I was like, I sent him the master. And my text was like, do not play this over your phone. Do not play it over your laptop. Play it in your car over your speakers. Mm. You don't get the same experience of a song when you play it over your phone or speakers, especially when you just like work so hard on it. And somebody's like, oh, I don't even hear that bass drop. Well, you don't hear that because you're listening to it over your phone. (laughs) But yeah, they're all really good people and incredible writers. And I feel like they're very proud of the direction that I took the song. You know, at the end of the day, I gave a song a life that it didn't have before. And audience, this is a great case study as to 
it's going to sound like shameless self-promotion, but I honestly do my level best to bring you as much education through this show as possible. And some of what you just heard Tracy Lynn talk about, you've heard kind of guests talk around a similar topic. I'm thinking of last month on episode 513 when Allie Colleen talked about her and Jelly Roll have a song that's going to be coming out. And she said, we did leave room in there in case he wants to go in and write something in. And so that's a case of where, as Tracy Lynn is saying, okay, when you get someone like that that you're going to work with, of course you're going to let him do it. There's somebody else that was on the show, and boy, I'm really kicking myself that I can't remember who it was, but they talked about exactly what Tracy Lynn said about the differences between co-writes in Nashville and co-writes in Los Angeles, where, yeah, you write two lines, and all of a sudden that just completely changes the writer's share. While we're on the subject of the More Than a Bad Habit EP, since All Goes South was one of the eight songs on there, I'm fascinated by this sign of how things have shifted in the music industry to keep up with the digital age and social media-driven habits. Broadway Cowboy, which is the song that I'm going to play at the end of today's show, has gained millions of views across Instagram Reels and TikTok. Tracy Lynn, is that a case of you just really liking both of those platforms, or is it those two are where I know my fans hang out on social media. Obviously, it worked, but what was the reason you chose to push Broadway Cowboy across Instagram Reels and TikTok instead of taking the traditional route of, say, YouTube only and or trying to get on CMT? Yeah, well, I feel like the obvious is, you know, Instagram and TikTok are, you know, some of the top dog platforms. I'm pretty good at social media, so if I say something that's wrong, I'm not the expert. But TikTok, I feel like it's who really created the short length videos that are super quick to captivate the audience, which nowadays, you know, our attention span is like three seconds. (laughs) If you can't captivate them in the first three seconds, like they're gone, they're swiping. But I feel like TikTok did that and their opportunity for organic growth was just like untouching. Like there wasn't another platform that had that, at least free. And so... Being Instagram or even YouTube, and now they have YouTube Shorts, that's competition. And I'm sure that, you know, those platforms saw some of their users, like, go more towards TikTok because they didn't have anything like that. And so now they're all kind of competing. I would say they're all pretty equal. TikTok is, I would say, the most different. Like, if I post a reel and a reel for, like, the listeners who maybe, you know, aren't as social media savvy a reel on instagram is essentially equivalent to a tiktok on tiktok it's their version of it same with a youtube short a short is youtube's version of a tiktok if i post an instagram reel i kind of already know at least 95 percent of the time after a day or two it's going to have over 10,000 views Mm. like they all pretty much do really well i know how they're going to go i know what the results are going to be And even shorts, normally I can gauge. TikTok is the only one where I can post a video, get hundreds of thousands of views, and then, you know, the next day post that same video or a different one and get 500 views. And then you'll have people that are like, oh, how do you have that many followers, but you only get this many views? And I'm like, I don't know. That's the million-dollar question. I asked myself (laughs) that, too. Like, I literally don't know. It's an algorithmic monster. It's a beast, and it's changing all the time. So I don't know. All I do know is that persistence is the absolute key, Mm. you know, just to keep posting because every time you post, whether it's getting 20 views or it's getting 2 million, it's putting a chance into the universe that it will go viral. And I'm sure you hear artists talk about this all the time. Really, the music industry, and this is just my opinion, is very, very much at a place of go viral or go home. Like in the sense of if you want that record deal, go viral. And from like a business standpoint, it kind of makes sense because it's like, you know, you make a TikTok video saying, bark bark meow meow you know and it gets millions beyond millions of views and all of a sudden your account is being flooded with these people that love this song then from a business perspective that's a great investment at the time yeah well and you know tiktok has become such a music discovery platform that it's exactly what you're saying that all of a sudden tracy lynn puts up a tiktok that 
somebody likes that sound, right? I'm holding up air quotes, that sound, which is a clip of her song. Right. And people say, oh my gosh, I got to use this on my video. And everybody jumps on that trend. And all of a sudden, Tracy Lynn's song is spreading thanks to TikTok, which again, kind of flies in the face of the conventional. I saw her video on CMT or I watched her music video on YouTube. And now it's the song that's taking off. And it's not so much about, do you have a proper music video for it? My gosh, everybody's using that song. That's fantastic. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So that's kind of like why I'm posting all the time. And I know some people are like, so are you going to post about another song? And I'm like, yeah, but I mean, who knows if I post a video tomorrow, that could be the one that goes viral. And then, you know, that's what breaks me. That's right. You just never know. That's why just being persistent with it is what I think, even outside of social media, like staying persistent with what you're doing. It's not if, it's just when. It's got to give at some point. You're preaching to the choir. I love it. I love it. I love everything you're saying. As we close in on the 10-year anniversary of this show next month, I'm so, so grateful to everyone who has listened. The total is 163 countries around the world where Now Hear This Entertainment has gotten listeners from. Just the other day, I was looking at some recent listenership, which was coming from obviously the U.S., but places like Egypt, Germany, the Marshall Islands, Vietnam. Wow, (laughs) that just means so, so much to me. And as a result, Tracy Lynn, that means there are folks out there who are just being introduced to you for the first time. Tell us about your beginning within your musical journey and crediting your childhood influences throughout personal experiences. Yeah, so I'll start way back. So I am from the Hampton Roads area of Virginia, Chesapeake to be specific. Hampton Roads is essentially consists of like the three bigger places are like Virginia Beach, Chesapeake, Norfolk. And they're all kind of like 15 minutes away from each other. Virginia Beach is more the beachy town. Norfolk is a city. And then Chesapeake is more like the country area of Hampton Roads. And if you live in Hampton Roads, you kind of hop from place to place to place. And I have been singing and performing on stage, I want to say, and this may not be completely accurate, since I was like six, Mm. performing in front of large crowds, (laughs) I like singing the national anthem. I think my first bigger thing was I sang the national anthem, and I want to say I was like six or seven, and it was at the NCAA women's basketball tournament for a college in the area called Old Dominion University. Yeah. I still have a video from it, and I'm, like, so little in the video, and I just have, like, this big voice come out of this little girl. It's a little pitchy, but, you know, I was doing my best. But, yeah, so I started singing and performing when I was, like, six or seven, and then growing up, I was constantly surrounded by music. My dad was heavily involved in music growing Uh... up as well. He played the sax. He could play guitar. He has too many banjos (laughs) to put it on the perspective my dad proposed to my mom at one of his concerts (laughs) like a boy band a little concert my mom was like in the front row and when my dad was on stage performing they had this like big sheet that dropped and it said like denise will you marry me and so growing up like we had a music room in our house that had like a handful of different instruments I grew up surrounded by it all the time. I also did a little bit of acting when I was younger, too. Like, if there was a play, I was in it at my school. And then I always kind of knew country music was more so the route I wanted to do. And people are always like, why country music? I don't know. Maybe it's the storytelling. It's just something Mm. that resonates with me more than other genres of music, other than rock. I love rock. I would say country and rock are pretty much on the same level. I love them both tremendously. I want to jump in here because at the start of the show, when I introduced you, I said that this marks five years that you've been in Nashville. So just fast forwarding a little bit in your story, what were you doing musically that led to you deciding in 2019 to make the move to Music City. How did you know it was time to relocate to there? Well, I wanted to move to Nashville way before. Uh, So the first time I ever came to Nashville to record in the studio, it wasn't like a work trip or anything. It was just my parents knew I wanted to do country music. I was about 11 years old. 
And they were like, you know what? Let's just take her to Nashville for a weekend. You know, little girl, big dream. Let's let her live it out for the weekend. We'll show her. Obviously, I didn't do Broadway, but they got me into the studio, you know, just to hear what it would sound like. And, you know, I'm 11 years old. I'm in a recording studio in Nashville. Long story short, the producer at the time, his name's Luke Wooten. He also is one of the producers I work with as well. He has won Grammys. He's phenomenal. He's like my sidekick. Love working with him. Great guy. He kicked my parents out of the studio room after we were doing the demo. And he was like, I just want to ask you a question. He's like, is this something you really want to do? And I was like, yes. I was like, this is what I want to do. Like, I don't even want to go to college. I just want to graduate high school and I want to move here. Mm. And he's the one who actually was like, no, you definitely need to go to college because uh. you're, you know, fortunate enough to where my parents helped me go to college. And I'm so thankful for that. But he was like, you have that opportunity and that you're fortunate enough to be able to go to college, go to college and then move here because there's no guarantee at all. Yeah. with, you know, the music industry. Yeah. And so I pretty much did exactly that. Okay, but when you did finally make that move, did you know anyone there at all? Or did you, quote unquote, just go cold? Because in hindsight, I'm wondering, now that we've heard what we've heard, do you wish you'd moved there sooner? Or is it a case of, no, I wouldn't have been ready? I don't know. I feel like everything happened for a reason at a time. I can sit here and go down the black hole of what if I would moved here earlier? Yeah. What would that have looked like? But at the end of the day, that's not what happened. So I try to just like not think about that. And on top of that, you know, when I was in college, I met who's my husband now. Like literally when we first started dating, I kid you not, I sat him down and I was like, look, I really like you and I want to be with you. I just want to let you know that I'm going to move to Nashville. <laughs> So if you're okay with that, then, like, awesome, let's do this. But if not, like, I'm not interested in doing long distance. I'm going to Nashville. And, like, some may be like, wow, that's so selfish. But, you know, I felt like I had to be yeah. almost, like, yeah. because I was putting my career first. And at the time, we were just dating. It wasn't like we were engaged or anything or married. And so I just kind of laid it out flat. And he was like, okay, I want to go with you. Wow. Okay, wait, wait, take five steps back. That is not his initial reaction. His initial reaction was you need to have an opportunity because he owned a business in the area where we were living. And he was like, for me to sell the business, oh. there's got to be some form of an opportunity. And I was like, well, I'm just letting you know that's not really how Nashville works. You have to move there to get the opportunity. But I did get an opportunity. Luke, who I worked with when I was 11, we got back in contact and he wanted to work with me wow. full time. Wow. So it's like, I got an opportunity, pack your bag, mm. and then we got engaged. So, so I was cool. like, let's get married first, because we're going to get married in Virginia, where I was from. I was like, I don't want to move to Nashville just to get married in Virginia. Yeah. That's just so much traveling. I was like, let's so get married, cool. and as soon as the wedding's done, we're going to move. And wow. that's what we did. Wow. And he loves it. He like is obsessed with Nashville, too. So <laughs> that was super important to me. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't imagine moving here. And like he's miserable or something, but no, he loves it too. And he's my rock. He's my tour manager, my merch manager, and my bus driver. And here's the thing. In looking at Apple Music, they show your first release as being a single that came out February 28th, 2020, called Fat, Drunk, and Pregnant. That means you're about to hit just five years since then, and yet you've gained over 10 million streams across your catalog on all platforms over that span of time, which is insane. From the category of results not typical, you realize that there are people who move to Nashville and never get 10 million streams in 10 or 15 or 20 years, right? You've already accomplished that in less than five. So I want to say congratulations, but also how have you had you. so much success in such a quote-unquote short amount of time? I don't know. Some people I work with would say I'm a pit bull. Mm. <laughs> you know, just staying focused. I moved here to do the dang thing, you know, keeping my head in the game, having my eye on the prize, and knowing what I'm going for and knowing who I am and the kind of music I want to make, I think is really important too. 
But yeah, I don't know. Keeping your eyes on the prize, and it goes back to what I was saying earlier with social media, just staying persistent in it. You know, it's really, really easy to throw your hands up in the air and say, I'm done. You know, that could be another rabbit hole we could go down of like the negative sides of things and the mental stuff that independent artists go through and, you know, signed artists. It's really, really hard. But what keeps you going is staying persistent and keeping your eye on the prize. I mentioned in the intro that you've opened for some really notable names, among others, Morgan Wallen and Sam Hunt, and you have self-booked these big opportunities, which is not easy for an indie artist, to put it mildly. What were you able to, quote-unquote, sell the decision-makers on that got you all those yeses to get such notable bookings? Yeah, so a lot of those bookings came from performing at smaller hole-in-the-wall bars. Like, Riley Green was one of my more recent bigger shows that I did. I opened for him in front of, I think it was 12,000, but I'm pretty sure they were over capacity. Mm. And I got that opportunity because I went to University of South Carolina, and I would do shows in Columbia, South Carolina. That's where University of South Carolina is. And one of the bars I would do there is called TLC, and it's like my old stomping grounds where I used to go when I was in college. It's like an indoor-outdoor bar. They have an outdoor stage. Just a really fun place. I would do shows there, and one of the guys who worked there at the time loved me, and I had a good following. Through doing that and performing there, I got the opportunity to open for Riley Green at mm. the Cola Jam that they had in Columbia, just from performing in, like, smaller places. Wow. You never know who's watching you, and, you know, I think a lot of the times, like, in the music industry, you'll meet someone who... Maybe at that time, they can't do anything for you, but it's so important to always be nice to people because you don't know where they'll be in a couple years, and then they can help you succeed. Mm. Case in point was the guy at TLC, his name's Brody, loved him. He didn't work for TLC anymore. He started working for a festival company. He transferred, but he's the reason I got that opportunity. He brought my name to the table when they were putting the lineup up. And he was the pit bull for me at the time. Wow. And so that's how I got that. Mm, I love it. I love it. Great stuff. Great stuff. I'm joined today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Nashville by recording artist Tracy Lynn. Visit her official website at tracylynnmusic.com. I will put a link to it on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net. You heard her talking about her EP called More Than a Bad Habit, which came out last August. There is currently a link in her bio on her Instagram that will give you a long list of where you can get her music from. Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, Pandora, YouTube Music, the iTunes Store, and Tidal. On TracyLynnMusic.com, you will see logos to go follow her on social media, specifically Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. As I mentioned in the intro, you will see this on her website. She is performing live from February to July in Washington, D.C., Maryland, Florida, Virginia, and New York. So be sure to check out the details on where and when you can go see her perform live. I am putting Saturday, March 9th on my calendar to go see Tracy Lynn right here in Tampa at the Hard Rock. If you are or will be in the area, come out and see her and meet me too. In fact, this interview is being released on January 24th. If you are in the Orlando area, I will be there for PodFest Multimedia Expo to the 28th. Let's meet up there. I love meeting people who listen to this show. And every week you hear me talk about the OWL app. They will have a booth set up at PodFest as well. In fact, the founder of the app himself will even be there. So you can talk face-to-face with him. I certainly will be stopping by there to talk with him and the others who will be there on behalf of OWL as well. And if this is your first time listening to my show and or hearing about OWL, which, by the way, is like the bird except with two W's and two L's, find out more by going to my podcast website, nhte.net, and then tap or click anywhere it says home, and then read the article that I have there under the headline, Help Now a Phone um, App Call Away. Tracy Lynn, in just over two weeks, on Friday, February 9th, you are releasing your next new single. Tell us all about that, the title, what the song is about, who you worked with on it, all the details. Yeah, so that is going to be a Valentine's series. It will be released just in time for Valentine's Day. 
And I very much had that in mind when I wrote it. Hmm. I actually originally wrote the song for The Bachelor. Ah. I had a show during CMA Fest this past year. And I guess one of the guys that actually works for the franchise is there. And he really liked it. The song was sent to, you know, the head honcho of the show or one of the guys high up within the franchise. And he loved it. And then I haven't really heard much since, but that's okay. You know, my fingers are still crossed. It'll get used <laughs> in some capacity on the show. But I wrote it for that show. And I originally honed in on the production to be, if some of the listeners watch the show The Bachelor, then you know there's always that one scene where there's like a slow dancing scene where there's typically a country artist singing. And it's just this magical moment. And so I wrote it with that in mind, with only that in mind, like everything down to every inch and cranny of the production, every word, everything was specifically mm. for that moment in the show. And like I said, I haven't heard anything back, but my fingers are crossed. And I didn't really want to sit around and sit on it. Actually, I didn't even, my bass player is who called me and was like, can you please release that song? <laughs> and I was like, okay, okay. And this literally happened like, three weeks ago she was like it would be perfect to release it on valentine's day <laughs> and i was like yeah i agree with you i was like and i don't have a valentine's day release and i've never done that before i was like but i'm gonna have to call the producer i worked with on it grady and revamp the production because the production was very much i don't know if commercialized is the right way to put it but it was very much geared only for the bachelor mm. so i needed to kind of revamp it in a way that felt more tracy lynn and like organic to me interesting if i was going to put it out as a single and so we did that and it's incredible and i love it and i'm so excited for it to release like you said february 9th i wrote it by myself I literally got the call from my publicist at the time, and she was like, you know, we're going to try to get you on The Bachelor, but you don't have a song in your catalog that would make sense right now. And I was like, don't worry about it. I was like, give me two weeks. I wrote the song, had it produced in like two weeks, and I said, here you go. And she sent it off to the guy high up within, I guess, the franchise, and I saw his text message back, his message. He absolutely loved it. Mm. So, you know, we're just poking the bowl until we could see if it gets used really in any capacity i'd be thankful and appreciative for or i also thought i was like i feel like it would be good for like a hallmark movie too but i will leave the rest up to y'all's imagination <laughs> until you can hear it and then you can let me know what you think about it but i love it it's definitely a love song <laughs> yeah the title is first i'm gonna kiss you and you did a great job tracy lynn of kind of describing that process of, well, I really wrote it just for The Bachelor. I was thinking of the analogy that there was some Disney dust sprinkled all over it. And then you say, okay, well, pull back that Disney dust because now it has to just be a Tracy Lynn single release. And there's going to be the version that has the Disney dust sprinkled on it if The Bachelor does want to use it. In so, my back pocket. Yeah. Literally, I have The Bachelor version in my back pocket. Yeah. Or, you know, whoever decides to use that version, it's exactly. there. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, that's a great way to describe it, the Disney dust. Like, that's perfect. <laughs> Unfortunately, I was talking over it, and it did not get played in its entirety. But at the beginning of today's show, the audience got to hear one of your songs. You are said to have a unique sound. Describe in your own words the vibe of your original music, and also who maybe there are some comparisons to. Yeah, so I wouldn't say I'm a singer. I always joke around I'm like more of a singer. Like, more of a powerhouse kind of country rock, high energy, edgy. But, of course, you know, in the mix of all of that, I have slower songs, like the one I'm going to be releasing on February 9th. I would say my biggest musical influence, who I'm really trying to, like, hone into moving forward, is Chris Stapleton. Mm. I always like to say, like, I feel like if him and Miranda had a baby, you know, maybe that's not appropriate, <laughs> but uh, an analogy, if him and Miranda Lambert had a baby, that's kind of my vision with what I'm trying to do moving forward, because I feel like that is, like, honed right in on my craft and where my heart is, and I feel like a lot of the stuff that I've put out, 
And don't get me wrong, I absolutely love everything I've ever put out, and I love them all for very different reasons. But some songs, you know, and I won't say which ones, I put out because, you know, it was mainstream sounding, or this is what I think the people want to hear, and mm-hmm. maybe someone on my team is telling me, you know, this is great, you need to put it out, this is what's going to get on the highway, whatever it may be. And I'm trying to, like, get away from that. You don't want to get too far away from it, because at the end of the day, you got to play your cards. But I want to hone in more into, like, what I want to put out and what I believe in. Because I found, like, Broadway Cowboys, a perfect example, like, every inch and cranny of that I did. And I love it. And that translates when I'm on stage. Mm. When it's like all of it is exactly what you wanted and you weren't so much gearing it towards what you thought you're supposed to put out or what you're being told it should sound like. There's just something to be said about that. And I'm really trying to hone into that as much as I can moving forward with all my releases. And not that I haven't done that in the past, but I'm just taking it to the next level of doing that. Sure. Now, you mentioned your bass player. I've been mentioning all the live shows you have from February to July. And I'm sure, by the way, audience, that more will be added along the way. But Tracy Lynn, tell us, what will people see when they go to one of your live shows in terms of how many musicians are on stage with you? For example, you played at Nashville's Taco and Margarita Festival at Nissan Stadium, where the Tennessee Titans play. And I mentioned that I want to see you at the Hard Rock when you come here to Tampa in March. Those sound like full band shows to me. What does the band look like behind you? Oh, yeah. All of my shows, I mean, to each their own, but if I can have a full band, I'm going to have a full band. We're four pieces all together. So it's me, bass, guitar, and drums. And then my husband, one song that I put out with a good friend of mine, Cody Purvis, it's called One Plus One. It's a duet. Hunter actually comes up and sings that with me. And the crowd loves it. And I love it because a light is shined on him. And it's incredible. It's just a moment. And it's a great contrast piece (laughs) for the set. Because my set, it's pretty high energy. I would like to say it's not a show, it's an experience. Mm. I'm bopping all over the stage, making eye contact, uncomfortable eye contact (laughs) with as many people as I can. So I'd like to think it takes the person in the crowd, it takes them for a ride. When they leave there, I want them to be tired, you know? Mm. But yeah, it's good. It's a good time. It definitely depends on the show, too. If it's more of like a smaller room, uh, more intimate setting, then I would focus more on the ballads, you know, maybe stripped back acoustic. It just depends on the show and the venue. I see. I see. I'm I'm just Saturday, March 9th uncomfortable eye contact sitting near back. Oh, okay, God. sorry. Now you're going to be um, in the audience. will be there. You'll be like, there's that uncomfortable eye contact. <laughs> we talked earlier about Instagram Reels and TikTok, but I did mention back in the intro that, wow, you have gotten over 7.1 million combined video views on your official YouTube channel. Granted, you do have well over 8,300 subscribers on your channel, but I found it interesting that it also says on there that you have 583 videos on your channel. For all the people who complain that they don't get very much activity on their YouTube channel, I would point to you as a case study and say, well, are you making it a priority to continually add content on there? Tracy Lynn, am I on to something here? Yeah, you are. So like I was saying earlier, I'm not a social media expert, but I do believe that whether it's YouTube, TikTok, or I'm almost positive in the case of Instagram, the more you use their platform, it's almost like they're rewarding you. Mm. They literally will push your videos more, or at least that's kind of my experience. If I go through like a pretty dead period of not posting as much as I should because I'm just busy I will notice that the engagement is not quite as high as when I was actively posting every single day, Mm. multiple times a day. And also, you don't know which video is going to go viral. So the more you post, you're increasing your likelihood of that happening to you. So just keep posting. And on top of that, your videos are being put out to a brand spanking new audience every time. Sure, they're going to your followers, but they're also going to new eyes every time. So if you have a video that does really well or it goes viral, six months later, not even that long, repost it. Uh. Like, why would you not repost it? You know, it's going to new eyes. It's not like 
back in the day when Instagram, you know, only your followers really saw your stuff. Or like on Facebook, you post something on your Facebook, only the people who are following you are going to see that. Social media is not like that. Like it's getting in front of new viewers every time. And that's how you grow. You don't grow from putting your stuff out to the same audience every time. You grow from new faces, new eyes, new ears. Yeah, I love that perspective. And that's why going on 10 years next month of this show, I never pretend to think that everybody has heard the show before. And that's why I ask guest questions like Tracy Lynn obviously will have her own big following that's going to come to this interview because they want to listen to or read every interview that she does. But there's going to be people who are just discovering my show for the first time because they're her fans. And every episode, if I just assumed that I was talking to the same people every time, well, as Tracy Lynn just said, there's not going to be any growth. So I love that point, Tracy Lynn, that for an artist to think that, well, my fans, my followers, they've seen this before. Well, sure, maybe you would hope, you would assume. But for all the new people that thank you algorithm, in this case, it is being pushed out to they are all of a sudden just discovering you for the first time. And then, of course, you know, you hope that they tell two friends and they tell two friends, et cetera. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's how I call it the algorithmic monster works across all of these platforms. And they're all competing. It's insane. The organic growth that is offered to us right now as artists, as any small business, because even if you're an artist, your business, that's what you are. So, any small business should be like essentially like abusing the social media right now because there's never been another time ever where this kind of organic growth has been offered to somebody for free. Mm. Yeah, great point. Great point. As we head into the home stretch here, we heard about your new single coming out on February 9th, and I've been mentioning about all the upcoming live shows you'll be doing, but thinking back to my having said, that what you accomplished in terms of 10 million streams in just five years, it could be argued that you have set the bar kind of high. I don't want to say what's next, but I guess more so, is there sort of a next rung on the ladder, a target you want to hit, a higher goal that you have your sights set on, given all the success that you've already been having? Oh, I don't even feel I've touched the tip of the iceberg in Mm. my career. Like, you know, in the perfect world, what I'm really working towards is Every artist is different of what they want out of what they're doing. Some people move to Nashville, they want to play on Broadway. They're not interested in a record deal. That's my goal. I want a record deal that is perfect for me. Not just any record deal, but, you know, one that makes sense for me. Like, what I'm really actively working towards is obviously that. But if you get a record deal, for those that maybe don't understand how it kind of works, because this industry is very confusing, but if you get a record deal, then you essentially automatically are going to get a booking agent. You're going to get, you know, a publicist. You're going to get a manager. You're going to get all the assets you need in order to be successful. However, you can get all these different moving assets and not have a record deal. So the record deal is essentially the umbrella, and then everything will fall from underneath it. But a lot of artists, they'll only have a publishing deal. They won't have the other moving pieces you need, and they'll be doing that. I would say my next step is I really want a booking agent, one that you know, I'm not just going to sign with and get shelved because that's something that happens too. I want somebody who truly believes in me, knows what I'm capable of, and knows my vision because logistically booking is a full-time job. It's so much work. It takes up so much of my time. And I just feel like so much of that time I could be using for other things. But, you know, that's just the nature of what I'm doing right now and where I am in my career. And I'm learning so much from wearing essentially all the hats. And it's great because I'm creating this, like, awesome foundation as an artist. But I am ready to have some of that weight taken off my plate. I've been doing it for a long time. I'm ready to put my focus into other things. And it would be great to have a booking agent. I would say that's like my big goal right now. Obviously, the record deal, that would be the biggest goal. But I just really want a booking agent, someone who, you know, can put me on that tour with a bigger name. It's pretty much impossible to get on a tour with a signed artist if you don't either A, you don't have the same record label as them, or B, you don't have the same booking agent or a booking agent for that matter. Because a lot of the booking agents, whether it's UTA or WME, CA, whatever it may be, they like to have all their same artists. So if they have their artist, Joe Schmo going on tour 
and he needs an opener and then a baby opener. Normally, they're only going to have people underneath their agency go on tour with him, which makes sense from a business standpoint, because, of course, you want your artist out there and not somebody else. But for independent artists like me, it makes it very, very challenging to get those opportunities to go on tour with the big names. So until you get a booking agency, your schedule's a little more spotty, I guess. There's not this, you're going out on tour with Chris Stapleton, here are all the dates, here you go. It's just not that until you get a booking agency, really. Or at least I've never seen it happen. In fact, audience, what Tracy Lynn is talking about, if you go back beginning of November, episode 507 of this show, Michael Rubin, the band King Falcon, he talked about how they are on a record label, and so it's exactly what Tracy Lynn just described. They end up getting all these opportunities because of other artists on that label that they get paired up with. But we have heard over the course of this interview that Tracy Lynn is very persistent, and whether she gets a booking agent immediately or not, we know there are going to be more live dates added to her show's calendar. We're going to close today with another one of Tracy Lynn's original songs, one called Broadway Cowboy, which you heard her talk about the Instagram reel and TikTok success of. Before I let you go and I play that track, Tracy Lynn, share with the audience first all about this song, if you would, please. Yeah, so about a month ago, I lived in downtown Nashville. Now I live about 20 minutes right outside the city. I was like, I'm not going any further than that. (laughs) My husband and I, we bought like a small farm. So anyways, when I lived in downtown Nashville, I would see, and anybody who's been there will know what I'm talking about. They have what's called like tractor trailers of bachelor parties, bachelorette parties, and they would drive right by my balcony. And one day I was just sitting on my balcony. I was drinking my coffee, minding my business. And I heard like Luke Combs, a beer never broke my heart song. It was something of that nature. And I heard like Call it 10 guys just singing at the top of their lungs. And they definitely had a few drinks in their system. <laughs> and like, mind you, it's maybe 9 a.m. Because mm. I'm drinking my coffee, right? So I leaned over my balcony and I was right. It was like a bachelor party. They were on a tractor trailer. And they all had like these fresh, pristine hats, like new boots. And all I could think about is in Nashville, we have a boot store right on Broadway. And it's like the buy two, get one free. And I was like, they definitely just bought those. And hey, <laughs> it's not a crime. Like, I've been there. I've done that, too. But I couldn't help but think, like, I literally mumbled under my breath. I was like, wow, look at all those Broadway cowboys. Mm. But not, like, in a negative light. Like, I yeah. feel like some people think that, like, I'm coming for the Broadway cowboys. It's like, no, like, I'm totally guilty of being a Broadway cowgirl. <laughs> like, this is just all, like, tongue-in-cheek, like, no harm, no foul. But anyways, right then... I sat down and I just was like word vomit. I want to say I wrote it in like two days, which to some bigger writers, they would be like, well, I've written songs in two hours. But, you know, I'm still working on my writing skills and I'm working at getting better. I was really proud of that. And I love the song. I took it to a producer I've been working with and we just put it together and it turned out to be like even better than I expected. My goal is I want to hear a tractor trailer blasting that. And all the guys singing along to that. (laughs) I love it. I love it. So cool. So cool. What a fun story. Tracy Lynn, so great to meet you. Congratulations on First I'm Going to Kiss You, which comes out February 9th. And I look forward to seeing you perform here in Tampa in March. Yeah, thanks, Bruce, for having me. And then, yeah, I will see you at my show. I'll bring some new merch I designed for Broadway Cowboy, so you'll get to check that out, too. And it'll be a good time. Wonderful, wonderful. Great to meet you. And folks, with that, I will wrap up another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, recording artist Tracy Lynn. Do visit her official website at tracylynnmusic.com. Again, I will have a link to it on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net. You heard her talk about her new single, First I'm Gonna Kiss You, which comes out February 9th. Be sure to get that in addition to her More Than a Bad Habit EP from last August. As I mentioned earlier, there is a link currently on her Instagram bio that will take you to a long list of where you can get Tracy Lynn's original music from. Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, Pandora, YouTube Music, the iTunes Store, and Tidal. I have followed Tracy Lynn on Facebook and Instagram, and I know she would appreciate you doing the same. Look for the links for those, as well as YouTube and TikTok, 
on TracyLynnMusic.com. For that matter, tell her you heard her and her music on Now Hear This Entertainment. Do give her a follow on Spotify as well, and get your calendar out to make plans to go see her perform live. Washington, D.C., Maryland, Florida, Virginia, and New York. She is coming your way. Find the details on her website for where and when she will be performing. I do truly hope that you like this show, that you're enjoying what I'm doing every week on the Now Hear This Entertainment podcast. If you've made it all the way to the end, thank you for having stuck with Tracy Lynn and I, and I'm going to assume that that means that you do like the podcast. You can take action to let me know that you appreciate the work that I do to keep making this show happen every week, every month, close to 10 years without missing once by going on my podcast website, nhte.net, and then using the yellow Buy Me a Coffee logo that you will see there. This is not a sponsor. It's not affiliated with any brand or chain. It's just a fun way for you to send your support, your thanks to me, including a note that I will see when you utilize that option. You can also just head directly to buymeacoffee.com slash Bruce W. That's going to do it for episode 519. Thanks ever so much for listening. I'll send you out today with another song from Tracy Lynn. This is the one she just talked about. It's called Broadway Cowboy. You buy cigarettes that you don't smoke. Got Lucchese on your feet, but you ain't no cowboy to me. You got a souped up four by four. Just riding it down the street, but we both know that's daddy's money. You're just one of them boys out on Broadway, wearing them boots that ain't ever seen dirt. Pretending to shoot dog whiskey, even though Bud Light makes you tipsy. Stealing the young girl's hearts like Toby Keith, saying Jean and Rod. Acting like you're something, but you're just a Broadway guy. Just hanging by the neon lights Talking to some blondes in 